This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. So I have two very special guests, and they are Lauren Nanny and Gabe Adams, who are my son and my daughter-in-law. Now, you have heard Lauren on my podcast in the past, and she is a life coach. And I invited both of them to be on my podcast today because we're going to talk about a book that the three of us have read, and that is called The Traveler's Gift by Andrew and Andy Andrews. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this book to all of those that are listening is that there's some great messages that come through on this book, and I want to inspire you to read it on your own. But spoiler alert, um, we are going to tell you um, a lot about it. And then this way you'll be able to go back and really read it and experience what the traveler had to go through. So, Gabe, would you mind for everyone introducing yourself and also, because this is the first time you've been on my podcast, but also tell us a little bit about the book and kind of how we're going to navigate through it today. Absolutely. Thanks, Mom. Hi, everyone. Yeah, The Traveler's Gift is absolutely my favorite book of all time. And I'm not as much of a reader uh, as I am a listener to many books and have probably put in over 200, 250 books now. And The Traveler's Gift is one that I uh, enjoyed the most and nothing, honestly, has even been close to it. It is a story of wonder. It is a story of passion. It is a story of opportunity and knowledge. And you get to go back in time and learn from some of the most influential people in our country and world's history and the impact that they had and a lesson that we learn from each of them as an everyday person going about our life. And it's not so much a mystery as it is just an adventure through time to gain the experience of those before us. And it's a really exciting read that uh, I couldn't put down. What's interesting about the book is it is a fictional book or, or is it? Um, But (laughs) it is about people that are not, are not fictional characters. These are real people in our history or uh, that we know about and, um, and can experience and listen through their thoughts and their eyes, so to speak. So let me start the journey through this book. And it is about a man named David. And he basically, without going into details, because like I said, we really want you to read it. He's kind of at the end of his rope. Wouldn't you agree? He's absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he's basically like just lost his job. His daughter needs to get her tonsils out. He doesn't have the money to pay for it. And he's really just gotten to a point where I think all of us maybe have been once or more in our life just feel like we've hit rock bottom. 
So Lauren, tell me what happens. Like basically he, he gets into what we think is an accident and then finds himself in a very odd place. Yeah. So what's up guys. I've met you all before, but my name is Lauren. I'm a life coach and this book is so applicable to so many people on so many different levels. Um, I think that's just like why I love it. Like I, I've experienced, I've used these lessons. Um, I give them to my clients as well. I find them to be super supportive because I feel like David, you know, he gets in an accident and he goes through this journey of meeting historical characters in the past, like where they're at in time. And they basically give him a piece of wisdom to take and to use, you know, once he's kind of out of this virtual reality or dream or whatever you want to call it. And it's, you know, how are we going to come back and what's the comeback going to look like? And how can we use these pieces of wisdom, you know, to make that a reality instead of living in the current circumstances of his life that he is not thrilled with. And what's interesting is he has no idea who he meets, who he's about to meet, or even how many people he's going to meet through this journey. Yeah, not at all. Yep. He just wakes up and you get context clues as to what era of time he's in and what circumstance he's in. And some of the chapters give you some more clues up front and some save it for later. But uh, yeah, I think that's what we'd love to talk about today is just the seven lessons that he takes from these historical figures and take, you know, our favorite parts of them and uh, how we, they were applicable to us and uh, have a good conversation about that, but absolutely should pick up this book on your own. So I do, before we do that, Gabe, you mentioned that you like to listen to books in this particular book. I read it, but did you listen to it or did you read it? I've read it. Uh, and I don't think I've ever highlighted a book more. Uh, <laughs> and then I've also listened to it multiple times. What would you recommend if somebody could do one or the other? Uh, what would you tell them to do? I think it's all personal preference, whatever way that they digest the information the best. Uh, if if it's easier for them to listen to it, uh, I think having both is really great. If, if you're a listener, still get the hard copy so that you can go back and find those pages or make the notes in your phone. Because uh, I know like me, I listen to it while driving a lot and it's, you can't take notes then. So I think having the hard copy and the audio version is probably the most optimal. But uh, whatever way is just going to get you to actually pick it up or actually listen to it the soonest, uh, it's a very easy listen and a very easy read. I'm not the fastest reader. So me neither. Uh, the, that one, this one was e- even easy for me to, to get through. Well, let's go ahead and start with the first decision for success. And I'll read the first one. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. But the first decision is called the buck stops here. So who does he run into in his first adventure? He runs into Harry Truman. And from this moment forward, I will accept responsibility for my past. I understand that the beginning of wisdom is to accept responsibility for my own problems. By accepting this responsibility, I free myself to move into a brighter future on my own choosing. I will not let my history control my destiny, is a quote from the Truman chapter. And that buck stops here and just his future being what he decides it to be, which is ever so present for David in this moment. What are your thoughts about that, Lauren? Did you resonate with this or were there other characters that you felt kind of touched you more? 
I, so there was, I have a favor that's coming up, but I totally resonate with this because this is all about just like owning where you're at. Like, it's so easy to kind of like float in the river of misery and just feel like it's not happening as I want. But when you take responsibility, you know, whether you like the current circumstances or not, it gives you that power to change it. So I think that is, it just kind of shows people like you don't have to love it to change it. Right. And you don't like you don't have to be in love with what's happening to own the fact that like, okay, I see where I'm at, but it can get better. And and I there's one thing in the book that you have taught me through life coaching, and that is at the end, he summarizes and says, I control my thoughts. I control my emotions. And I know you've always taught me that thoughts come before emotions. And basically, it also says that I am responsible for my success. And and I really resonate with that because so often I just, I dwell in the past, like, gosh, and it could even be just, I didn't, you know, follow my diet yesterday, or I missed my workout. I mean, we could, we could talk about profound things, but we can also talk about simple everyday things that just mess us up for today and tomorrow. Absolutely. It's such a nice intro to the rest of the characters. So let's go on because, like I said, we want to give each of our listeners a little taste, but not the full story. We can always go back if something resonates to us. So the next character is surprisingly because, you know, as I started reading the book, I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's going to go, you know, from this point in our history with Harry Truman to maybe like, working towards the future, but he goes way back and that is to King Solomon. Yeah. So what did King Solomon have to say to him? His message is about seeking wisdom. And so, you know, a quick quote from there is when I counsel with just myself, I can make decisions only according to what I already know. By counseling with a wise man, I add his knowledge and experience to my own and dramatically increase my, my success. And I just take this as you don't know what you don't know. Right. And when you can kind of get that perspective from somebody else, when they can kind of crack your brain open to a different reality per se, it's like you'd be amazed at what could change without changing anything around you. And one of the, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to add that I think a, a simple question that I took from this that I use almost every day is like, what's the wise choice? Because the wise choice is a different lens than I think many of us are accustomed to making decisions. It's the right choice or the fine choice or the uh, what feels like the correct choice to be making. It's a just a different perspective when you're thinking of decision-making from what's the wise choice. You start to play it out a little bit more uh, and it helps you decide whether this is the time for uh, action, which we'll talk about a little bit about, mm-hmm. or this is the time to be a little bit more methodical. And so that's just a, a nice perspective shift to, uh, that this King Solomon teaches us in this chapter. And he also, in in the chapter and even in the letter that he writes to David, he talks about, you know, really choose your friends. And that's so relevant today, too. And he talked about, do you want to hang around with chickens who are basically just going to peck at the ground? Or do you want to surround yourself with eagles who soar? And I was like, I get chills when I hear that. And, you know, King Solomon was, 
he was very smart and very wise. And yet he knew that he needed to surround himself with good people in order to be a good leader to others and serve others Mm -hmm. better instead of feeling Mm -hmm. like I know it all, you know? Yeah, that is so true. He also offers up his throne, I believe, right, to David. Mm -hmm. And then that just kind of to piggyback off of what you said, it's like when you are willing to not know it all, that's when you can experience the most most growth. You know, it's like, I don't, I can be wise in this, but I can also say like, what do you know? What perspective can you share? And when you just open up to it, you'd be surprised, you know, the growth you could personally have from it. Any other thoughts about this? Yeah. I was just going to add that the, uh, the lessons don't contradict one another, but the, how they supplement one another or complement one another was an interesting aspect of this book too, because the next character, and this arguably might be my favorite, just because of the echo that this moment had throughout history, uh, the ripple effect, but going from I will seek wisdom to the story of uh, Chamberlain, and I am a person of action. And I know we'll get into that, but that decision uh, was maybe not why I'm unsure if Chamberlain was seeking wisdom in that moment, but the uh, the all around lessons and how they work together to form our decision-making and the way we think about our day and our life uh, is another just curious piece of this tale. Yes, because it, it, you're right. It's almost each of these decisions although individual do fit together in some way, like a puzzle. So let's go on with Chamberlain unless there's anything else to mention about King Solomon. So, yeah, let's, so he said, I am a person of action. And so let's, let's talk about his story and, and really how it changed history for us. Absolutely. It's, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but, uh, and some of you history buffs might be, are likely way more familiar with this, but the gist of it is that his men were completely outnumbered, uh, and out of position at the bottom of a hill and the, they were all but doomed and in the war. And he took the decision to charge up the hill in which the, uh, opponent then, was like, well, they'd only be doing this if they got reinforcements or if there's some something we don't know about their strategy or their position. It was just such an outlandish move that no one in their right mind would ever be doing such a thing the way that battles were conducted then if they didn't have some advantage that maybe the other side didn't know about or uh, more men or something that was happening. So they ended up retreating from Chamberlain's advance and we're able to win that war and how that changed American history all because he was basically crazy and, <laughs> and decided to charge because the only other option was surrender. And he said, well, between surrender and attack, I choose attack. I choose action besides instead of laying behind the rock, as he talks about, um, as he's talking to David. And it's just unbelievable what that one man did for American history in that moment, uh, a moment that I'm sure was not an easy choice to make. I want to mention to everyone listening to, if you haven't read this book, that 
while David is meeting these different characters that are, again, real life characters, he's in the middle of it. It's not like Chamberlain is telling him a story about <laughs> what I did. He literally is in the bunkers. Yeah, he's, at the, he's at the battle. Yeah. He's like yeah. dodging bullets. Right. You know, I mean, this, yep. is, this is the way the book goes. And anybody that has read it, I hope you're enjoying kind of our summary and, and relearning some of the things that, that you learned and and hearing the perspective. What what was your take on this, um, Lauren? Well, I think also what you just mentioned is a really key piece of like the whole learning perspective is that he meets them where they are. So in the moment, it's not some like sexy, fun story of the triumph. You just, he sees the people in the moment, kind of figuring it out, kind of failing forward, you know, a little uncertain, a little scared, but it's like kind of just tap into that inner wisdom per se, and you do what you think is best. And I think that's just like a testament to people that we look at right now that are like the celebs or the people that have done lived the dream that we're after. It's like at one point they were also figuring it out and they were also feeling forward and probably and still, but just to kind of ground ourselves that like we were all a beginner, right? We were all learning at one point. Yeah, it was it's uncomfortable. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, even when I was reading it, I was like, Ooh, like you could feel it. And what you're saying is that's exactly right. Is you have to get, you, you have to be able to get a little uncomfortable in order to change. For sure. And Chamberlain's taking these actions in just the most dire of circumstance and in our everyday, it's just, well, how can we be a person of action in little ways? Because uh, likely we're not, you know, in a situation like Chamberlain was. So how can we take that lesson and, and apply it to our everyday? Um, I'll let Lauren describe more of our next character. Cause I know this, this, is this your favorite? Is the next one your favorite? It, it is my favorite. The next one is her favorite. It's another character that uh, is someone who takes massive action and is, has a sense of certainty in their, in their mind, or may I say in their heart, much like you, Lauren. Absolutely. Please do. So this is the fourth decision for success, right? And what is it, Lauren? It's that I have a decided heart and this is by Christopher Columbus. And, you know, basically like I, there's so many good quotes, but a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, you know, knowing this to be true. I'm taking my first step today, you know, I will not wait. I am passionate about my vision for the future. My course has been charted. My destiny assured, you know, and I just feel like this speaks to anybody that is out there creating and casting a vision without the direct path in front of them, which I feel like if you are a goal setter, you can relate to this, right? Like even for, if you have the roadmap, your path is always going to look different. And sometimes you just got to show up and believe that like your belief will cast the light in and of itself when you can't see the whole road. And just like the way that he speaks about like, no, like I see land, I see it. I see it. Like you initially in the book, we get, think that he can actually see it because of his utter belief that it, it will be there. And it just like, it just is a testament to anyone out there working on themselves. And like, even when you can't see the finish line, believe that it is coming despite what other people around you are saying, because a lot of people like turn around, you've lost your mind. And it's like, you can always choose who you lean into and who you listen to. Absolutely. The, uh, one of my favorite parts from Columbus, he says criticism, he calls criticism and doubt creatures of the wind. And how you're, they're just those 
wisping voices that are coming by and it, it, just like the wind, you can just let them pass right on by, or you can choose to, um, embrace them if you want to, but you can just let them pass right on by at the same time, because with that massive action and a decided heart, likely criticism and doubt will creep in at moments and having that, uh, course charted destiny assured is something that Christopher Columbus absolutely embodied uh, in this book and in his life and in his journey. Yeah. And he basically, you know, like you said, Lauren, there were others saying, look, we got to turn back. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I will not wait. I am passionate about my vision for the future. My course has been charted. My destiny assured. I have a decided heart. And we all know what the, you know, the finish line was for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was right. His vision was was correct. And even though so many doubted him and that's easy to, you know, when others around you are just saying this isn't going to happen or when you're saying it to yourself. Um, But having that decided heart and just saying, I'm not waiting. This is this is it. I see it. It's pretty cool. Well, now let's go on to the next one, which I will tell you, I found to be, you know, we're talking about decided heart. Boy, the next character really like pulled at my heartstrings. So it's unbelievable. They get you so excited with Chamberlain and Columbus, and yeah, I take action. My heart's decided. My destiny's assured. Rah! And then they and then they hit you with uh, the story of Anne Frank. Right. I mean, again, I get chills just thinking about it because what's cool about the book is you really, and David has no idea who is coming up next. And that's very exciting. And you might be like, well, now I don't need to read the book because they're telling us all about it. But please realize that even if you know what we're saying to you, there is so much content. Would you agree, Lauren? Heck yeah. So much. So what she said, her fifth decision for success was today, I will choose to be happy. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I think that she is a testament to, you know, she was very grounded in reality. Like she never once doubted what was happening, but she used perspective to like, you know, she wasn't in the camps at that time. And even though, you know, she hadn't seen the outside in almost two years, you know, she was grateful. Like she was the possessor of a grateful spirit, I believe is a quote from that book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was just able to ground herself in like, it could be worse. And she could choose to be happy for what is going on that isn't as bad as it could be. And and yes, and a quote, another quote is, today, I choose to be happy. I will greet each day with laughter. And then another area, she says, I will smile at every person I meet. And, you know, when we think about what she was just going through at the moment, like, for example, what really resonated with me is she had a sister and she was talking to David about how there were three dresses. So the two of them had to basically share these three dresses. And it's kind of like the glass half full type of thing where she was like, I get to, you know, I get to wear these dresses with my sister. And she just celebrated and was so grateful for everything that they had while they were going through it, where we could look at that situation and think, that's, you know, how could anybody be grateful in, in, in the living situation that, and, and the fear 
She had, she didn't have fear. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a total perspective shift and a very intentional choice of the perspective she was choosing. And one of my favorite quotes is perspective is one of the only things that can change the results without changing any of the facts. And that just couldn't be more true with her story. I don't even feel worthy of like talking about her story. She was just so incredible. Mm -hmm. And the more you learn about it, the more incredible her story and and she is and uh, what those people were going through. I just want to read one more quote and then we'll go on to the next one. And that was, I am grateful for sight and sound and breath. And so here they had very little and she still found um, a a purpose and a way to be happy every day. I just want to add something really fast, which I think is, you know, not a coincidence, but I read another book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he was a psychologist, but as a prisoner in the Nazi concentration camps. And he did like his own research study. And a direct quote from the book says that you like everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way, which I feel like Anne really depicted in that book. And, you know, she chose to be happy despite, you know, what's going on around her. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That, that really puts, pulls it together. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go on with the next person. And what's interesting about the next chapter is it takes a little while to figure out who he's about to meet. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Absolutely, but you can't have a book about historical figures without having Abe in it. <laughs> That's right, Abe Lincoln. We can't we can't leave him out at all. So he was the sixth decision for for success, and he wrote, "I will greet this day with a forgiving spirit." So, who wants to talk a little bit about that? I just thought it was fascinating, and as I need to learn, even re, I'm interested in learning more uh, about Abe Lincoln and, and his leadership and during that time. But just the, the forgiving spirit of how much was going on at that time, and that he still was assured in his decision making and was his own person and understood he was able to grasp the moment so much bigger than himself and didn't take things as personally and was able to find that sense of forgiveness. Uh, inside of his heart that has crippled, uh, crippled seed yielding bitter fruit, as he described uh, the people that hoard it. And just the criticism, the media, <laughs> they didn't have media back then, yeah. but the, uh, <laughs> the public, right? And he didn't care. It wasn't about votes. It wasn't about this or that. It was about history. And it was about the future. And it was about doing the right thing uh, as, as he believed it. And uh, the position that he was in to make those decisions and to forgive people along the way. I thought that this lesson was peculiar that it was coming from Abe Lincoln and had me reading, gripping at every page. Yeah. What did you think, Lauren? I just, you know, once again, I'll bring up the perspective word. I love what he said. Um, he said, I now know that criticism is part of the price paid for leaping past mediocrity. You know, so it's kind of goes back to like another saying, just like if you play it safe, you know, nobody like you get to you don't have to deal with the criticism, but you don't also get that feeling of, you know, maybe success in what you were really after, what you secretly desire. And it's also kind of normalizes it. You know, if you're going to stick your neck out and really speak to what you believe in, criticism is part of it. And that's okay. 
Yes. And then one thing that really resonated with me that he said, you know, we always talk about forgiveness and how forgiveness is really about helping yourself. So forgiving someone else, it's not really about them. It's a, it's about helping you move on. And so he says, I will now and forevermore silently offer my forgiveness, even to those who do not see that they need it. And that mm. was, I read that and I was like, wow, because how many times have we just lived in bitterness or lived in the past and just been so unproductive and angry at other people because we're waiting for them to say, you know, I want, you know, we're waiting for, for them to ask for forgiveness, you know, but really it comes in our own thoughts and minds, right? Right. It was yeah. so not about him. Which yes. Was- just uh, awesome to to learn from from that section. Yes, because by forgiving, he's saying that I can be now content. I can be productive with, and I can mm-hmm. be, you know, effective with my fellow man. Which I wish, yeah. I wish he was here now to kind of share this in in the days that we're in. So the final one, no, yeah. So Gabe, I think you should introduce the next uh, character because. I found, I, of course, it warmed my heart and everybody, I think, will understand why. So the Absolutely. seventh was, and uh, last decision. Yep. I was like, who's he going to meet now? And uh, it, there's actually a sequel to this called The Traveler Summit, where this character plays an even bigger role. But he finds himself in this space without giving too much away. He finds himself in this space and he's looking around and it is just the most unbelievable space that he recognizes but he knows he has not seen and it's a space of the things that never were and the lesson is i will persist without exception and he meets the archangel gabriel yes and the archangel gabriel talks him through the greatest power ever bestowed upon mankind the power of choice to achieve the results I desire, it is not necessary that I enjoy the process, only important that I continue the process. And faith will always be a sounder guide than reason, because reason can only go so far. Faith has no limits. And so when you have that faith, I think that is what allows you to persist without exception. And I just think that I'm guilty of it at times and just making excuses for the things that we said we wanted when it felt good saying them, but then the work comes later and to persist without exception is uh, an effort that has no excuses. And you could tie in the decided heart into this and just Mm -hmm. so many of the different characters and the lessons from them and how they work together here. But it was just such a dramatic and awesome finish with the Archangel Gabriel. And one of the quotes I saw, I read that I underlined, although like you, I underlined a lot was faith or fear is the expectation of an event that hasn't come to pass or the belief in something that cannot be seen or touched would go, goes back to Christopher Columbus, right? That decided mm-hmm. heart. It's like, you know, faith is about maybe you can't see it, but you can certainly, um, you know, it's better than living in fear because he says people, a man who lives in fear is always on the edge of insanity. Whereas if you have faith, it reaps rewards. And um, I think that's so cool. So true. So true. What was your perspective, Lauren, on this? 
Uh, I just think it's a beautiful reminder that, you know, we get one shot at this and, you know, why not persist without exception? And if we're going to persist, it's like we can either lean into the fear or we can lean into the faith, you know, and it's like which route is going to be more enjoyable and will help us get there, you know, faster. It's like if fear is going to be along for the ride, why not let faith drive? You know, it's going to open up so many more doors and it's, you know, I just think this goes back to like anchoring in like to your why of like, why are you persisting? And, you know, do it without exception because your why is, you know, that's the most important thing to you. Well, and you bring up why one of the things, and I don't think we mentioned this when we go back to the beginning of the book, which is so cool because I really feel like the angel Gabriel just kind of pulls it all together. And, and it is, you know, instead of thinking, why me, you think, why not me? And that's what, you know, Harry Truman was saying. And like you said, it's like, why not? Instead of sitting there, you know, going on and on about our past or what we do or don't have, it's like, let's take action. Let's, let's put it in our heart. Let's have faith. Let's, you know, um, let's forgive and choose happiness. Yeah. And and make these things a reality. Right. Andy Andrews is a phenomenal author for any of his titles, many of them. And as I mentioned, the sequel to Traveler's Gift is a Traveler's Summit, and which is phenomenal as well and introduces some new characters as well as shines more light on the characters already mentioned in this book. But just the fact that towards the end, as David comes back to his current reality and he has his pocketbook with all of these notes and he's like, was that real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just kudos to the author because it is a story that we can feel ourselves in very easily. Lauren, who was the character that you resonated or the message um, or decision that you resonated the most with? Um, I would say Christopher Columbus. And then second would be like uh, Angel Gabriel. I just love their messages. And what about you, Gabe? Um, to pick someone different, I, I love Angel Gabriel and the Persist Without Exception. I think it has many of these other lessons built into it, um, but also Chamberlain, just taking action of what can I do now? What what action, What's the next step? And uh, especially the courage piece of that. So all of them, but I, if I had to pick, I'd say Chamberlain and Angel Gabriel. And I really believe that that's the how who we kind of relate to or what's going on in our lives is fluid too. One day it might be this character and this message and the other could be a different person. When I first read it, I resonated with King Solomon being like I'm a servant to others, right? But then mm-hmm. even now as we're talking about it, I almost want to be more like an Anne Frank and choose joy. You know, make that a choice and wake up happy yeah. and smile at everyone I see. Yeah. And as I think it relates to, to your podcasts and all the awesome teachings you give to um, families out there and their children, it's just some of these messages and just being exposed to them as early as you can so that you can digest them and experience them in your own way and have your own discussions about them. I just think is really, really cool because uh, unfortunately, not as much of these types of things are discussed in school. And so it's one of those things that uh, the more you can learn about it and experience it for your own and then have quality discussions about it, it, uh, that's the way to 
gain that knowledge and wisdom and figure it out for yourself when, and enjoy the ride while you do it. Absolutely. Any other closing comments that you want to make about the book or the thoughts from the book? Yes, I have one. I think that, you know, we, you may have heard, like, you might've read the book before you might've heard similar like pieces of wisdom or the, the seven decisions. But I think, you know, where the magic comes in is like, how can you take it from an intellectual level and apply it to your own life? Like put it into practice, right? Like you don't have to charge the battlefield, but maybe it's like the battlefield of your life. And it's like, how will you seek wisdom today? Like what is one thing that you will do or how will you take action? Like what is one small piece? And I think that's like kind of what you said earlier, but just like apply it, you know, we can absorb it, but when we put it into action, like that's when like the results come. I love that. I love that because you're right. We can, we can learn about it, but let's, let's uh, put one foot in front of the other and, and actually make the, make the things that we dream about and think about a reality. Journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That's right. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's such a great book, right? So good. so good. I'm going to go get his uh, sequel. I haven't read that yet, so I'm pretty excited about that. And we're not going to tell you how it ends. So I really encourage everybody to read it and, you know, let it resonate in your life and your family's life and uh, find out what happens to David in the end. So, well, thank you again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to follow me wherever you like to listen to your shows like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, let's grow up together.